All right, everyone, and welcome back to the Talking Redbird Baseball Podcast. My name is Lucas Van Pelt. I am your host. I am recording today on a Friday. It's the second day of the Cardinals' double off day. I have gotten a couple questions about the double off day. It's not really been a thing in the past until last year and then now this year and it will start being a thing in the of the future it'll 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 be a regular occurrence we have another one here in a couple weeks just the way that the schedule plays out now with the collecting um bargaining agreement this past off season the mlb changed up the way that they are doing schedules so you don't you don't play a ton of the teams in your division or at least as much as you did before and you now play one team across the major league you play all 29 teams at least once throughout the season and that was never the case so just the way that the math works out um it's hard you just have to have a couple filler days so now there's a couple double off days each season and this is the cardinals first one and it really it kind of came at a fairly good time i talked last episode in nauseam how we couldn't have really started April in the first part of May any worse. Now, as of two weeks ago, we were really starting to kick it into gear. But since I recorded my last podcast, we've kind of cooled off again. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight the last four series that we've played since my last episode, and I'm gonna highlight a little bit of a trend happening that I hope this double off day can really reverse. But um, it's it's been rough. Overall, the past two, three weeks, we've been fairly average in our last 19 games. We're 12 and 7, so I definitely can't complain about that at all. But in our last 13 games, we're 7 and 6. So we're just kind of playing around 500, which is not what you need. The Cardinals, again, like I talked about last episode, dug themselves such a hole with the first six weeks of the season that we're going to have to play better than 7 and 6, you know, going forward. Now, granted, a a couple of our opponents that we played the last couple of weeks have been pretty good. The Dodgers, the Guardians, both were playoff teams last year, um, sprinkled in with a couple. You know, we also played the Reds and the Royals, who are also not very good as well. Um, our next, what is it, seven games, our next two series are against teams that also didn't make the playoffs last year. So so now is the time that we really need to kick, kick it into gear. And, you know, 7-6 isn't going to cut it. I mean, it's better than going, you know, 0-13. Don't get me wrong. It's 7-6. You're still at least treading water. But as of today, we're sitting tied for last in our division still with the Cubs. We're luckily for John Mazalak and luckily for the Cardinals as a whole. Last place still only means that we're four and a half games out of the uh four and a half games out of first place. Not a whole lot of not a whole lot of other teams can say that you know, we're seven games below five I'm sorry, yeah, seven games below five hundred and only four and a half games out of first place. It's it's actually kinda sad. We would be in a much worse situation if we were in any other division. But just, you know, kind of thank your lucky stars for that. So again, I'm gonna talk about each series. We played the Dodgers for four. We followed that up with the Reds for four. We then played a three-game series against the Cleveland Guardians, formerly known as the Cleveland Indians, and then we also played a two-game series against Kansas City earlier this week, followed by an off-day Wednesday and an off-day yesterday. I'm recording that. I'm recording today on a Friday. We start a three-game series against the Pirates tonight in uh, in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about each one. Again, as of today, we're 25-32. and 32. We're four and a half games back. Again, it could be much worse, but the Cardinals are going to have to start capitalizing and start playing a bunch better because the Pirates are struggling, and again, that's who we face tonight, so hopefully we can have a statement series because we're four games back of Pittsburgh, who's in second place. So if, let's, for hypothetical purposes, say we sweep Pittsburgh. 
that's going to shoot us up the rankings a little bit because, you know, they're going to directly go down as well as a result of us beating them. <laughs> so, we, you know, again, Milwaukee's the only team over 500 in the division. So we also need we need them to do fairly bad this weekend or the next couple weeks. And, you know, there's a stat that I want to go over. I mentioned it last week. It's just the run differential. And it's not necessarily like a complex stat, but most people don't know. I'd like to reference run differential rather than record to just kind of give you an idea of where, how well the teams are playing. You know, are we blowing teams out 18 to zero and then just losing three to two? You know, that's the kind of stuff the Cardinals are doing. Granted, we're losing three to two more often than we're winning, but when we have those big blow up games too, it inflates our run differential, which is essentially how many runs you score versus how many you're allowing. Now, if we look at run differential with the five teams in the NL Central, we are number one at plus seven. Granted, plus seven is not very good. Just for reference, a couple teams in the American League are plus, like the Texas Rangers who we're about to face. Like I said, they didn't make the playoffs last year, but they're one of the best teams in the major leagues this year. They've really turned it around. Their run differential is plus 131. They have scored 131 more runs than they've allowed. And then the next best team is Tampa Bay, who's dominating this year the tampa bay rays they're at plus 119 so don't get me wrong plus seven for the cardinals is not very good but it is number one in our division it goes us and then pittsburgh's at plus six the cubs are at plus five and then cincinnati and milwaukee are both both minus 26 and minus 28 respectively so milwaukee has a minus 26 run differential which means they're allowing more runs than they're scoring but somehow they're two games above 500 and they're number one in the division but minus 26 gives, again, it, it's a little bit of a different avenue of how you want to look at their season. They're barely winning, you know, one-run games, but they're also getting blown out 10-0 to zero a lot. And you could say the opposite for the Cardinals. You know, when some of our wins are blowouts, but we're losing a lot of one- to two-run games in, in the bullpen. So we're playing a little bit better than our record indicates, I guess is what I'm trying to get around with that. So if you want to go by run differential, we're the best team in the central. So hopefully, uh, hopefully some wins start to rack up soon as a result of that. But obviously at the end of the day, wins are the only thing that matters and we're not really getting it done at a high rate right now. Again, we're kind of just floating around 500. So, all right. So that's just kind of a, kind of where we're at today. Again, I'm going to go over it again, 25, 30, 25 and 32. We're four and a half games out of first place and we're tied with the Cubs for last in the division. Again, not great, but one good series away for, against the Pirates this weekend from you know getting a little bit closer to 500. Now we're in second place and you know things look a little different. Again, if we were in any other division, we would be torched. We would be over 10 games out. Uh, it, it would look rough. So luckily we're in the Central, and just about every other team in the Central is also not doing very good. Um, so yeah, so now we're going to go, and I'm going to talk about each series. I'm just going to touch on each series a little bit more specifically. Um, and then I'm just going to kind of talk about the last two weeks as a whole. I have some pitching and hitting stats here over just the last two weeks to, you know, who's hot, who's not that type of a thing. So the Dodgers series, again, we played four against the Dodgers. My last episode of the podcast, we were halfway through that series. We ended up winning three or four against the Dodgers, which were incredible. Before that series, they were 18 and three in their last 21 games. The Dodgers were the hottest team in baseball before that series. And we, you know, we were a couple, couple, a um, couple hits away from sweeping the Dodgers in four games, which was incredible. We averaged eight runs per game that series. 
So that just goes to show that when this offense is doing what we know it's capable of doing, we're a very, very hard team to beat. And the Dodgers are first in their division and have the second best record in the National League. And we were able to go in there and, again, almost sweep them because our offense was hot, right? Then, excuse me, we go straight to Cincinnati and we split a four-game series against Cincinnati. We won two, we lost two. Now, in that series, we averaged 4.3 runs per game, which is below average, and then after that, we go to we do a three-game series against the Cleveland Guardians, and we only averaged 2.8 runs per game, and we only won one of those three games, right? And then Kansas City comes to town, we get shut out the first night, and we scored two runs the second night for an average of one run per game. So you can see, four series, and it goes down every single series, eight runs per game. Second series, 4.3 runs per game. Third series, 2.8 runs per game. And then in the last series that we played against Kansas City, we averaged one run per game. So this offense is really sputtering. Now, thank thank God for Miles Michaelis. Jack Flaherty's been looking pretty good. I'm going to touch on all of them a little bit more specifically here in a minute. Our pitching, some I don't want to group our pitching together like that. Some of our starters have been able to keep us in games, right? Some of our bullpen guys have been able to keep us in games. Luckily, you know, again, one of the games we won on Tuesday was literally two to one. So we're able to win those small ball, one run type of a game, but we can't really bank on that. We have one of the best offenses in the entire National League. If you, if I were to, I don't have it right in front of me. I saw it the other day. If you take average OPS, home runs, RBIs, total bases, weighted runs created plus, OPS plus, all the advanced and more traditional stats, all of them, the Cardinals are top five in the National League in, in every one. So we have an elite offense, but it, sometimes it just disappears. I don't understand. Will Sikacheris is 0 for his last 30. Nolan Arnato has one or two hits in his last 30 at-bats. He went from having the worst April of his career to one of the best players in the major leagues the first two weeks of May, and then now he's cooled off again. So, you know, let's say the season is eight weeks so far. Nolan Arnato has been horrible for six of the eight weeks. So, you know, he needs to pick it back up. Even Gorman has been cooled off a little bit. He's been doing okay, but... It was, it was probably hard for him to keep up that April pace anyway. So you have some of these guys that are just sputtering right now. Lars Newtbar, as of 20 minutes ago, just hit the injured list for the next two weeks. He was really struggling. Tommy Edmond, really, really struggling. Paul DeYoung cooled off. I have some stats in front of me that I'm going to go through a little bit more specifically here in just a minute, but there's only one Cardinal that was really above average, and it was Paul Goldschmidt, and it was still below his average for the whole year. You know, so... When your best hitter is still a weaker version of himself, that's not good. You're, you know, you're going to lose a lot of games. And again, three against the Pirates this weekend doesn't scare me a ton. Pittsburgh's been playing a little bit above, I think, what they're capable of doing all season long. But then that's followed immediately by three games against uh, the Texas Rangers, who would be the number two seed in the American League playoffs right now. They are absolutely on a roll. So we got to figure some stuff out. So again, I'm going to go through some stats here since... 18th of May. So the last two, three weeks, the last four series that I've highlighted a couple times, that's when the Dodgers series started is that day. Now, the stat weighted runs created plus. I've talked about it before. It's the best offensive stat to really fully encompass everything. On base ability, how hard you're hitting the ball, how much contact you're getting, you know, how much are you swinging and missing? What's your launch angle? How hard are you hitting the ball? You know, all those things. It, it kind of fully encapsulates that into one stat. 100 being league average. Anything below 100 is you are below average. Anything above 100, you are that many percentage points better than league average. So 
For instance, number one on the list in the last three weeks is Paul Goldschmidt. He has a weighted runs created plus of 131, which means he's 31% above league average. Fairly good. That's still below what he's done this year and what he did last year. Last year, which granted was his MVP season, he had a 177 weighted runs created plus. He was 77% better than league average. He was phenomenal last year. And still, our best hitter the last three weeks is still 40% worse than that. You know, so it's it's not great. Next on the list is Brendan Donovan at 115. Still pretty good, but a little bit lower than what he was last year. Nolan Gorman, 113. Fairly good. He's keeping up that pace. Again, he was ungodly the month of April. I don't expect him to hit that those stats every single month. You know, he's going to regress back to his to his averages a little bit. And then finally, our fourth best hitter is Nolan Arenado at exactly 100 WRC plus, which is exactly league average. So you only you only have four players of the you know 10, 11, 12 players that regularly play in our lineup that are above league average the past three weeks. That's not good. That's a third of your players. That's not good. And again, Wilson Contreras, this is almost laughable. He's last on the list at a 10 WRC+. plus. He is 90% worse than a league average hitter, which that's obviously going to happen when you're 0 for your last 30. He's hitting 0.98 with an on-base percentage of 159 and a slugging percentage of 248. That's, um, yeah, needless to say, that's freaking horrible. So the offense as a whole, really sputtering. Goldschmidt's still doing pretty good. Brendan Donovan, I'm going to list a couple stats here. Last episode, I talked about how he kind of got rid of that scrappy Brendan Donovan at bat type, you know, style of player that he that we all knew him for last year. He kind of scrapped that a little bit to tap into his power a little bit more this year. And I, you know, I said I would like to him for him to go back. You know, we don't necessarily need another power hitter. If Brendan Donovan can swap. Uh, swat a few more home runs this year great but i don't want him to sacrifice that ability to draw a walk and and hit the ball the other way and do those things and he's really kind of turning back into that player the past three weeks he has a 19 percent walk rate and only a 10 percent strikeout rate so just for reference anytime you your uh walk percentage is higher than your strikeout percentage that's great but when you're 8% above, that's almost unheard of. I don't have it. Again, I don't have it right in front of me. One, he's the only Cardinal that walks more than he strikes out. I'll just put it, you know, blank. But to do it 8% higher, that's, again, that's really unheard of. So Brendan's, Brendan Donovan's at-bats the past couple weeks have been phenomenal. So, so that's just kind of a glimpse into where the offense is. Again, we only have four players that are hitting above league average the past three weeks. That's not very good. Um... I'm hoping that that can, that can improve. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more at the end. But again, as of about an hour ago, news has, uh, news has hit that Jordan Walker will come back up. He's going to come back up. Lars Newtbar is on the injured list. Obviously, that's great. I'm a big proponent of, Lar- of uh, Jordan Walker figuring his shit out at the major league level rather than at AAA. He doesn't really have anything else to prove. So, you know, I, don't, I think it's just a waste for him to be a AAA. Plus, it may give this team a spark. And the lineup is released for tonight's game, and I'm going to go over that at the end of the game. I actually, I wish I was almost videoing myself because I have it written right here what I think the lineup will be, and it's very, very similar. So, um, but yeah, we'll go over that at the end. So we talked about the hitters that are doing fairly well the past three weeks. Let's talk about the pitchers. So our number one reliever the past three weeks is Giovanni Gallegos. He also has the number one or the most innings pitched. He's thrown six innings in his last three weeks, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for a reliever, that means you're you're pitching about three times a week. So that's that's 
fairly good. In those six innings, he has a 1.86 ERA. Fairly good. Next is Jordan Hicks. He has five five appearances the past two, three weeks. His ERA is 2.08. Also very good. We've kind of taken Hicks out of that high leverage situation um, that he was in the first month of the season that he was showing that he just cannot be in. He just walks way too many hitters. Now, if you want to put Hicks in in the sixth and seventh inning when we're up by five, that's fine. I think he would do great. But I don't know if I would trust him in a super high leverage situation. And then lastly, Andre Plante. He's come back up. He was at AAA for a couple weeks. He's come back up, five appearances, and a 2.28 ERA as well. So those three are hitting are uh, pitching very, very well. Stratton is pitching well. Um, it's about average. I didn't. It wasn't good enough for me to necessarily highlight it. Henesis Cabrera and Drew Verhagen are the other two relievers at the moment, and they're both pitching horribly right now. Granted, some of Verhagen's uh, stats are a little inflated because the other night he uh, he had a blow up outing that some you know couple unearned runs things like that. His mojo was just off, but you know I'm not a big Verhagen fan anyway, so that's fine. And then, again, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but the I don't know if there's going to be any bullpen moves today because as of now, our roster is – let me pull it up here. Obviously, our starters are going to be Wainwright, Jordan Montgomery, Miles Michaelis, Jack Flaherty, and then one of Libertor and Steven Matz. I, I thought that they would have released by now who was who's going to be starting tomorrow's game. But it has not been released yet. So I would put Libertor in the rotation and move Steven Matz into the bullpen. Steven Matz looked almost unhittable the other day. He he pitched on, that would be this past Monday. And then I think he pitched a couple days ago as well out of the bullpen. And Steven Matz has really good stuff. He just can't locate it long term. He has a 96-mile-an-hour sinker, a nasty slider, a decent curveball, and a decent changeup. He has four, I'm not going to say above-average pitches, but four pitches that can you know give him a decent arsenal. But he's clearly shown at this point that he just cannot go four, five, six innings at a time without having blow-up outings. So you need to put him in the bullpen. One, because Libertor has shown that at least as of right now, he's a more reliable starter. Two, our only lefty out of the bullpen is Genesis Cabrera, and he couldn't get me out right now. He's he's looking horrible. So Steven Matz can kind of slide into that sixth, seventh, eighth inning type lefty. Uh, you know, you have a couple lefties coming up on the opposing team lineup. Let's say in the seventh inning, you know, boom, you put Steven Matz out there to try to combat that. So he would definitely fill a need in the in the rotation. Or I'm sorry, in the bullpen, while Libertor would take his spot in the rotation. So that's what I would do. Um, but again, I'll I'll touch on that at the end. I'm going to go over the roster moves, what our current lineup will kind of look like the next week or two until people come off the injured list, and then a couple moves that I would make. So. So we talked about the three relievers that are doing really well right now. Let's talk about the two starters. And really, there are only two. Three of the starters have ERAs over five. Now, one is Libertor. He looked phenomenal his first start. And in his second start, he was through four score, uh, four scoreless innings. But he kind of had a blow-up inning there in the fifth inning right before he got taken out. He allowed four runs in one inning. He was one, stri- one strike away from getting out of it. Um, and his stats would look a lot better. So... His ERA and everything is a little deceiving just because of one inning. Overall, he's thrown really well since he's come up. But 
you know, his counting stats don't look very good, so I kind of left him off of this list. So one pitcher that you have to highlight is Miles Michaelis. He had a horrible first three weeks to the season, but he's really picked it up. His last three starts in the past three weeks, he's gone 22 innings and has a 1.28 ERA, and he's averaging almost eight innings per outing. So he's, you know, I mean, that's ace-level stuff. And that's what you need. I mean, granted, Miles Michaelis, Miles Michaelis is a little old. He's going to be 35 later this year. That's not great. And we just signed him to a two-year, $40 million deal. So if you're going to do that, this is the kind of pitcher that we need. Now, I'm not expecting Miles to have a 1.2 ERA the rest of the season, but we are in desperate need of an ace-level performance from from Michaelis and Flaherty to kind of ride the ship. And that's what they've done. And, you know, sorry not to spoil it, but Flaherty is the other pitcher that I really want to highlight. He's gotten hit a little bit more than Michaelis, but in his last two starts, he has 12 innings and a 3.09 ERA. He's looked really good. He's still walking people at a high clip. That needs to come down or he's going to get blown up. And I think, let me, let me see. I think he's starting tonight, if I'm not mistaken, against the, against, against Pittsburgh. So, uh, yes, he's starting tonight against Pittsburgh tonight at 6.05. So, that will uh, that'll be a good that'll be a good test to see you know how he's done because Pittsburgh kind of has Flaherty's number so we'll see uh, we'll see how he does but those are the two starters that I kind of wanted to highlight they've been they've been fairly well if you combine their stats the past three weeks it's five starts thirty innings which is about six innings a start which is pretty good with a two point six ERA that's that's very very good I I would be happy with those kind of stats all year long from those two guys. So, so I already talked about the four games or I'm sorry, the four series that we had again, seven and six, our last 13 games, tread and water. We really need to pick it up. Next is the roster move. So usually when, and it's not just the Cardinals, but this can be applied to any, uh, any team in the major leagues. Anytime there's an off day that is coming after a really cold stretch or something like that, a couple moves will be made just for precedence. Now on a double day off, I fully expected the roster to shake up a lot, but the only move that's happened so far is Lars Newbar to the injured list with that ankle issue, and Jordan Walker's coming back up. Again, that's a great move. I think Jordan Walker can help stabilize that outfield because before the season, your starting outfield was Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newbar, Dylan Carlson. Well, all three of them are on the injured list. Tyler O'Neill, I'm not sure, is going to play until August or September. He just keeps having setback after setback. I think... It's the writing is on the wall for trade bait. I mean, we can all speculate, but he's not contributing almost anything. He only has one more year of control left, and I think a t- you know when he's right, he mashes baseballs. He plays Gold Glove defense in left field, and he's fast. So I think a team will take a flyer on him if you if you pair Tyler O'Neill and a couple prospects. I think you you get a very solid you know number two pitcher in the rotation. So I think. If I'm John Mozeliak, that's all Tyler O'Neill is to me at this point. Every four or five days, I see a report or an article written on the internet that his back is flared up again, and they don't know when he's going to resume baseball activities, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's going on three weeks now, and he hasn't even started a rehab assignment. So it's going to be another month at least until we see, uh, in, until we see Tyler O'Neill back in, uh, in St. Louis. Dylan Carlson's on the injured list. Now, granted, he should be back in the next five to seven days. And then now Lars Newtbar on the injured list starting today. So he'll be out the next couple series at least. So that leaves the outfield in kind of uh, a little bit of a sticky situation. I think outfield depth was a huge bonus that the Cardinals had earlier this year. But then, you know, your top three guys are out. So Jordan Walker being called up means he's going to play right field every single day. 
Center field? Uh, I think Tommy Edmonds going to play center field. I mean, that's tonight's lineup has him in center field. So I think Edmonds going to play center. Walker's going to play right, and then in left field, it's just going to be kind of a kind of a shift. I think at first base, you obviously have Goldschmidt. At second base, Donovan and Gorman can, can both play second base. But I think you know Gorman cannot play the outfield. Donovan definitely can play the outfield. So I think what you're going to see the next couple of weeks is Gorman start at second base just about every day. So that way Donovan can play the outfield. And then obviously shortstop, you have DeYoung because Edmund's going to have to play center field. And then third base, obviously, Nolan Arnato. So, so what I think the lineup, and I swear to God I have it written down right here. This is what I wrote down prior to recording this episode. Five minutes into the into recording this episode, uh, they released the lineups for tonight. So I will, uh, I'll go through it. So I have Donovan leading off in left field, followed by Goldschmidt at first base, Gorman at second base, Arnato at third, Wilson Contreras batting fifth, catching... This is the only error that I have. I have Jordan Walker batting sixth in right field, followed by DeYoung at shortstop batting seventh. And then Yepes and Alec Burleson will kind of flip-flop DH duties depending on if we're facing a lefty or a righty. Tonight we're facing a righty, so I had Alec Burleson playing DH and batting eighth, and then Tommy Edmond in center field batting ninth. And I have that lineup, again, written down right here in my notebook, and I'm looking at the lineup for tonight, and seven of the nine spots I have identical except they have Burleson DHing batting sixth, Walker and right field batting eighth. So just flip-flop those spots. But that's what the lineup's going to look like going forward. I think uh, I think we're, if we're facing a lefty, I think they're going to take Burleson out and put Yepes in at DH. But other than that, that's going to be our steady lineup until, uh, until Dylan Carlson and Newbar come back. And when that happens, I think Mercado's going to get sent down. And for some reason, we're still carrying a third catcher on the team, which he has not played. The past three weeks, he's been at the major league. He's been, he's been on the major league roster the past three weeks, and he has two at-bats, two. So he's just wasting a spot. I mean, why not send him down, bring up Lucan Baker. For those of you who don't know Lucan Baker, he's leading AAA in home runs, OPS, RBIs. Now, for for the Cardinals for Memphis he's he's 27 so he's not really like a young prospect but he's absolutely mashing right now again we don't really have a spot for him to play every day but he could be that late inning pinch hit guy come off the bench in the 7th 8th and ninth if you need to move defenders around or you know we have a couple versatile infielders in the AAA that can come up Moises Gomez he led AAA in home runs last year for the Cardinals and he's on fire right now, so they can bring him up to again be a kind of a masher off the bench. There's a lot of options that the Cardinals have, and for some reason they just think that they need a third catcher to sit on the bench and not play. So um, again, don't really know why, but but whatever. So so that's what the lineup's going to look like for the next couple weeks. We have Flaherty slotted to start tonight. Tomorrow they haven't announced a starter yet, but it'll either be Stephen Matz or Matthew Libertor. Whichever one isn't starting, the other one will be in the bullpen. I would put, obviously I've already talked about it, I would put Steven Matz in the bullpen. I think his his hard sinker followed by his breaking ball plays a little bit more in just one to two inning spurts out of the bullpen rather than you know five, six innings starting, which would mean Libertor's in the rotation. That's what I would do. Um, you know, just let the kids play. We're only four and a half, we were, we're only four and a half, four and a half games back, and it's only June 2nd. We have four months of the season left. Let the kids play. Libertor could be that bona fide number two or number three starter if he can just have some have some run and just figure it out. But if we kept if we keep putting our our starters in the bullpen, they're never going to get a chance to figure it out. That's what they did with Sandy Alcantara. They brought him up and just shoved him in the bullpen. He never got a chance to show what he can do. The Cardinals traded him away, and he won a Cy Young. Same thing with Zach Gallon. He got put in the bullpen in AAA. He wasn't even starting games at AAA. 
again, got traded away. Now he's on the Diamondbacks, and he's leading the league. He's he, if, the, if the season ended today, he would win the Cy Young for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So the Cardinals have a history of of just not letting their um, not letting their young guys really play that much. Bernie Nicholas likes to call it uh, payroll politics, and I think that's a really good example of you know right now it's between Matt's Libertor. Who's going to start? Matt's Libertor. Matt's Libertor. And while I think that's the right move, Wainwright is somehow a mainstay in the rotation, and he has worse stats than anyone. But he he's only pitched three four games, so I'm not you know I'm not going to throw away his season. You know it's his last season as a Cardinal. It's unfortunate that he's pitching so bad, but I mean that every fifth day that's that's an automatic loss the way he's pitching lately. So um, yeah, the Cardinals have kind of done that. Luckily, you know position player side of things i don't see that as much i mean you have donovan who's 25 gorman who's 22 jordan walker who's 20 alec burleson who's 23 you know all in the lineup tonight lars newtbar is 24 dylan carlson's 24 they're on the injured list they would play every day you know so position player wise the cardinals let their outfielders and infielders kind of come up and have a run but but pitching wise i mean it 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 takes pulling teeth from a to ever let a young starter actually <laughs> actually start a game so um, I'm hoping they can, you know, make a different move than what they typically do and put Libby in the rotation and Matt's in the bullpen, but but we'll see. Okay, I think that does it for today's episode. Again, I talked about the hitters, the pitchers, who's been hot the last three weeks, the last four series that we've had. Again, we have three against the Pirates starting tonight, and then we have three against uh, Texas Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week, and then we'll have another off day next Thursday. So that's what the next week or so is looking like. I plan on doing weekly podcasts, you know, going forward. And uh, yeah, I think that's everything that I had on the slate for today. Again, Flaherty's pitching tonight. Game starts at 6.05. If you guys have any questions, again, always feel free to reach out. Uh, Yeah, have a good day.